Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. Hey, what's up, LifePoint Church? How y'all doing today? Come on now. Aren't you glad you came to church? Man, what a great morning we've had in worship and a great time uh, so far. Man, that story from Pastor Elmer is just ridiculous, isn't it? Powerful. Praise the Lord. Man, uh, thank you uh, for being here with us today. Hey, if, t- if today's your first time, I want to especially welcome you, our first-time guests. We love having new people in the fall time, so we say welcome to you. Uh, introduce myself. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve as pastor along with my wife, Stephanie, and our amazing team. Love serving you, and we're so thankful that you're here. We got a lot of new folks coming to LifePoint, and fall time is always a great time for new faces. In fact, I've gotten to meet a few of you in the lobby, and, and uh, all the Californians that are coming, man, come on, y'all. I call them West Coast refugees. They just, and it's funny when they hear me say that, they're like, well, yeah, that's pretty much what it is, you know. But we're glad you're here. And, and actually, I, I love to try to connect West Coasters to other West Coasters in small groups so they feel a little bit of comfort while they learn the language, y'all. <laughs> Bless their heart. You know what I'm saying? Like all that kind of stuff. We're going to teach you slowly. We're going to teach you slow. Well, welcome to LifePoint. And uh, to everybody joining us online and at Austin P. we're so excited to be one church in many places. Uh, hey, this weekend we had our serve day. We do this quarterly now, which was great. So Saturday, we had a bunch of people get up early to go out and do a bunch of different projects uh, all over town. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of our city. Thank you for serving with no strings attached to our community. It is always a privilege to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. And I've, I've said for years, if you want to be more like Jesus, serve somebody with no strings attached. So thank you for your service. In fact, we have hundreds of people who come here every Sunday to serve on our dream team. Can we thank our dream team, everybody, our volunteers at our church? Yeah. Thank you for that. Let me just thank our dream team from, from parking lot, cameras, our worship team, are all volunteers, our, our kids ministry, I mean, coffee, folks that are serving food for our dream team central. It's such a privilege to get to do this together as a team. And thank you for your service to the Lord and through your local church. In fact, I wanna invite everybody who's a part of our church. If you're not a part of our dream team, if you've not gone through our next steps class, that is your next step. It meets during our second, third, and fourth service uh, at our Rossview campus. It also meets after our 11 o'clock service at Austin P. But every one of you needs to go through that class. It's our history, vision, values, our kind of our membership or affiliation to the church. But then also we wanna help you discover some of the ways God's wired you so that you can serve the Lord by serving on a team. And, and we think serving at your church is a safe place to get started and to, to get kind of acclimated to serving people. And it should extend to your neighborhood, extend to your job, your company, your classroom, wherever, to be a, have a servant's heart. But we wanna help you with that. So let me encourage you, if you've never been through our Next Steps class, join that today. You can go through it today. Leave your kids in Kid Point. We'll give them more candy. And that way uh, they'll be ready to go home with you and they'll be all sugared up. That'd be great. And as always, just let me say quickly, thank you for being a generous church. Uh, we are a church that believes in tithing and giving offerings beyond that. And so we, we, we see in the scripture the tithe is bringing our first 10% to the Lord. And some people ask questions about that. God established that uh, before the law was even codified. All throughout the, the scriptures, we see God is calling his people to put him first in this area of financing. And we do that by bringing the Lord our first 10% and we bring it through our local church. And let me just tell you, uh, through your generosity, like we're able to do everything that we're needing to do here and everything God's calling us to do here and more. Like we're able to extend beyond this church like a serve day weekend where we're able to do all of these projects and you guys paid for it 
and to do it with no strings attached. It's, it's interesting when you serve people, a lot of times they say, well, how can I pay you back for this? How can I, what can I do to pay you back for, nothing. We don't do it with strings attached. You don't owe us anything. We're glad to do this. Your generosity is actually going beyond life point. You're helping plant churches. Uh, in fact, we, we're excited. We've got two new church plants that launched last month and they're both doing really well and getting healthy and on their feet. Harvest Church here in town and Modern Church that meets at the theater at Tiny Town. And your generosity helped make that happen. But a lot of people are asking about, with all the, the crisis happening in the Middle East, this invasion into Israel and the, the war that we're fighting there, what, what can we do about that? And let me just encourage everyone to pray, faithfully pray every day. The Bible tells us to pray for peace in Jerusalem, but I think we need to pray beyond that for the peace in Gaza and the Middle East in Israel and Syria and all of that area of, of, the, of the world. We need to be praying. Be prayerful people before we're posting people. Can I get an amen from somebody? But then also I want you to know that your generosity is actually extending the reach of our church there specifically through our partnership with Convoy of Hope. They've been on the ground doing outreach and compassion work and feeding families and helping bringing relief to the disaster that is happening in the Middle East. And so because of our partnership with Convoy, you get to extend your hands to that part of the world. So thank you again for your generosity. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 that, that we're to lay up not treasures on earth, not to just have our focus here on the treasures that we have here, where moths can eat it and destroy it or rust and it can be stolen. How many of you notice like the more stuff we have, the more we have to secure it. We get cameras and bigger locks. Like the more we have, how many of you remember when you had nothing, you didn't care if anybody stole it because you had nothing. But it's when we start building our treasures and building our portfolios and building our, our, our collections of things, then we start securing them. Jesus says, don't, don't let your treasure be there. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where it can be destroyed or stolen. But watch what he says in verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy it and no one can steal it. And then he attaches it this way. He says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure goes. That's where your treasure is. And what I'm asking you to do through prayer, through generosity, through commitment to your church is it's keeping our heart treasured on the things that God treasures. You hearing what I'm saying to everybody? I don't have a problem with you having stuff and collections. It's when those things own you and it doesn't allow you to do the things God's calling you to do. Keeps you from praying, keeps you from giving, keeps you from serving or having an open hand. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And your generosity is a way that you do that. Being a prayerful person, being a servant, these are ways that we do that and keep the kingdom of heaven in front of us. Then he goes right in and says, in connection to that whole text, he says, and don't be anxious about anything. Seek first the kingdom, seek his righteousness, and he'll take care of your needs and what's happening around you. Amen, everybody? Thanks for being a generous church. Thank you for giving so well. Hey, have you enjoyed this Jesus Said series, everybody? Has it been a blessing to you? Today is our last message in the Jesus Said series. I'm very excited uh, for this final talk. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter five, on the Sermon on the Mount. Since you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn there. But to close out our series, I couldn't be more excited to introduce one of our pastors. He's a great leader, brilliant mind. He's funny, big personality. He's an Alabama fan. Let that go. We're just going to let, I'm just say it for him so he doesn't have to say anything about it. But man, I'm telling you, today's message is 
gonna bless you and challenge you and push you as a church. I've gotten to hear it multiple times already and I'm just so blessed by this. He oversees all of the small groups of our church. I mean, even though Sunday may be the biggest thing we do, but the best thing we do is life in small groups. We have over 400 small groups that meet as a church. He also is overseeing all the development and the training of our 50 interns that are a part of our church leadership. He's a brilliant mind, a fun guy, a great communicator. Would you give it up for our small groups pastor? Pastor Willie Simpson, everybody, come on now. Hey, have fun. Come on, Life Point Church, how we doing today? Come on, somebody. I'm excited to be here with you all. Now, listen, Pastor Mike said that uh, my name is Pastor Willie. That's true, that's my title. But we family, so y'all can call me Cousin Willie. Say, what's up, cuz? Now, listen, I'm the cousin that's gonna borrow money from you today. And then when I see you, every time I see you, I got you next week, brother. I got you. I got you next week. Be 2028. I got you next week. I'm <laughs> so I need to know real quick before we get jumped in, into this scripture here. Where is my amen corner at? Come on. All right. I got some folks over here, over there. I got some folks in the stadium seats. Where's my amen corner at? Come on. There you go. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I'm excited to be here with you all today. I love what I get to do in helping to oversee our small groups because every week you guys are helping people find freedom so that they can become fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gonna get an amen, somebody. My Pastor Mike said our text today is Matthew chapter five, starting at verse 13. So since you brought your Bibles, turn there with me. And while you are making your way there, I wanna ask you a very simple question. Who are some distinct people in your life? Who are some people that stand out to you that are noteworthy uh, from the crowd? For me, it's very easy. Uh, the number one most distinct person in my life is my lovely wife, Carolyn. She is joining Baby Way. Get him the princess way. That's my beautiful wife. We've been married 16 years, y'all. 16 years. And she ain't choked me out yet. Can you say prayer works? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. She's my, we're high school sweethearts. She couldn't keep her hands off me. So uh, I finally said yes. Yes to her dress. Another person that stood out to me was one of my college football coaches. He, uh, we called him Coach P, and he, had his, he always wore his hair slicked back. He was from Pennsylvania. He always wore his hair slicked back. He looked like a, a mafioso, you know? He just thought at any point in time, you're going to hear the Godfather music playing. He would always gesture and talk with his, you know, with his hands. He had a really thick Northeastern accent. I love me some Southern drawl, you know what I mean? But he had a real thick Northeastern accent. So he would, you know, you'd be running. He'd go, go father, go father. And I'm like, well, I'm not a father. What do you mean? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> but we all have distinct people in our lives. We have people that stand out to us, people who are noteworthy because of character traits or or something that they do, what they align themselves with. And for you, it may be a celebrity, it, it may be an athlete, it may be an activist, a political figure, or some, some public luminary, or it may not even be anybody famous. It, it may be a family member, or a coworker, or a friend, somebody that you've done life with for years and years and years. And there is something about the way that they talk, the way that they live, or even how they believe that is distinct to you. But I think we can all agree that Jesus Christ is perhaps the most distinct figure in history. Can I get an amen? 
from somebody. Why? Because there has never been, nor will there ever be, anyone like Jesus. You see, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He is the creator of everything in existence and yet he subjected himself to his very own creation by coming in the form of a baby. He was born through the Virgin Mary. But not only was he born, he lived a very human existence. Jesus was hungry. Jesus got tired. Jesus more than likely developed sicknesses like all human beings do. And Jesus died a very real and very human death. Yet during his life, Jesus performed miracles. He taught earth-shattering truths, and he revealed a hidden God to us. And as a mic drop to his distinction, Jesus rose from the dead after being buried in the grave after three days. Can I get a big amen? Are you grateful, church, for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? But not only is Jesus distinct, but as followers of Christ, you are distinct as well. And so I want to read this passage, and we'll walk through it together and unpack the truth that God wants us to see. So starting at verse 13, Jesus says, you are salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. God, your word says in the book of Psalms that entrance into your word is as the unfolding of light, imparting knowledge to the simple. And I pray, Lord, that you would take your word today from our heads to our heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me in a mighty way. Holy Spirit, I step out of the way. I must decrease and you must increase. God, I pray now that you would continue to anoint us and appoint us for such a time as this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let the church say, amen, amen. Now, this passage of scripture is part of a larger section of the Gospel of Matthew known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it spans chapters five through seven of this gospel. And in this sermon, Jesus gives us profound teaching about discipleship. Some scholars like to use the term upside down kingdom to describe his teachings and his perspective. You see, he starts his sermon with the Beatitudes, giving us kingdom perspective. Blessed are the so-and-so. He challenges conventional wisdom on major life themes like prayer, generosity, anger, lust, and marriage. You see, conventional wisdom would say, give so everyone sees, but Jesus taught us to give in private because your heavenly Father sees. You see, conventional wisdom says, don't commit adultery, But Jesus says, even if you lust in your heart, it's like committing adultery. You see, conventional wisdom says to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus taught us to love your enemies and even to pray for them. Amen? Over and over again, Jesus reminds us that we are a distinct people and citizens of a distinct kingdom that is ruled by a distinct God. And this passage today illustrates that distinction through two main metaphors, salt and light. Everybody say salt and light. So let's look at the first thing that Jesus says here. He says, you stand out, so embrace it. Amen? You stand out, 
so embrace it. Jumping back to verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You see, Jesus gives us this powerful imagery in regards to who we are in him. He says we're salt. So let's unpack that for a bit. You see, Jesus is calling us back to our true identity in him and our true mission for him. One of the members of our sermon review team actually read this passage for us in the message translation. So let's take a look. I love how the message renders this. He says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Anybody like some good old seasoned food? Come on, somebody. But he says, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, and look at this, you'll end up in the trash. Folks, that's a straight-up kick to the throat, is it not? Jesus is clearly laying out for us why we're here, and it's to reveal God to the world. So if you're conflicted or confused about the purpose that God has called you, can I remind you and call you back to your true identity as salt and your true mission to reveal God to the world, amen? Now, there's three things that salt does. First thing, salt enhances. Everybody say enhance. Now, has anyone ever had some bland, unseasoned chicken before? Huh? Some chicken like this right here, huh? Anybody ever had any chicken like this? Huh? Look at that. My God. What? I mean, does that look appetizing or appealing to you? I mean, look, look at this. Look at it. That chicken looks like it's got leprosy. My Lord. Does that look appetizing or appealing at all? Can I challenge you? That is some of y'all's lives right now. That's the way the world perceives your essence. When the world tastes your life, this is what they taste. Unseasoned, it's bland, uninspired. Why? Because when you moan and when you complain, when you backbite, when you refuse to forgive, the world doesn't distinguish your life from the rest of the world. But this is how God wants us to appear and to taste to the world. Come on, throw up that other picture. Come on. This is how God wants. Come on, somebody. Now that looks delicious, don't it? That's sanctified chicken right there. Look at them seasons. You can see the salt. You can see the seasonings on that chicken right there. It's been marinated in the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's the kind of chicken that has a prayer closet. That's the kind of chicken right there that goes to Bible study. That's the kind of chicken that walks in repentance and forgiveness. Come on, somebody. We thank God for that chicken right there. And I want you to look at what Jesus says when he talks about salt. He says, what good is it if salt loses its saltiness? What good is it? What good are we if we are not distinct from the world in trying to reveal Christ to the world? Pastor Jordan is a member of our team here, and uh, during our sermon prep, he asked this question, if someone only had your language, your behavior, and your actions to taste, what would they think of God? They didn't read one word of scripture. They didn't attend one minute of a service. If they could only look at your life, would they get an accurate picture of who Jesus is? Do you give them a pleasant experience or a negative one? Come on, somebody. It's mighty quiet in this Catholic church. <laughs> Number two, salt adds value. Everybody say value. See, salt was a precious commodity in Jesus' day. In fact, 
Roman soldiers were often paid with salt because it was literally worth its weight in gold. It's also where we get the word salary from. The first three letters, the prefix of the word salary comes from the root word for salt. And as salt is valuable, Jesus is saying you're valuable as well. So can I tell you today, church, that you have value in the eyes of your God? That God sees you as precious in his sight. You may have never thought of yourself as valuable to God. It's easy for us to think as, of God as valuable to us because of what Jesus has done for us. His blood is precious to us, amen? But you are valuable to God. You are made in his image. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are, and more importantly, whose you are. So can I encourage you today, church, to lean into your value as a Christ follower. God calls you a son, a daughter, and a beloved child. It's not about what the world says, it's about what Jesus says to you and about you, amen? And because you're valuable, God expects you to add value to your spheres of influence, to your workplace, to your home, to your, your classroom, to your neighborhood. Everywhere that you go, God expects you to add value. You may say, well, Willie, how do I add value? Well, this is how you do it. When your coworker is worried about current events, you can bring words of comfort, church, that's value. When your classmate is drowning in depression, you can cheer them up with your joyful presence. That's value. When a stranger is in need and you can remind them that God sees them as you serve them, church, that is value. Again, Jesus is reminding us that as salt is a precious commodity for commerce, you all are a precious commodity for his mission. Amen? Everybody say salt. Third thing that salt does is salt preserves. Salt preserves. You see, in Jesus' day, there was no modern refrigeration. You know, when you caught a fish, it was no deep freezer to throw it into. And so salt was used to preserve meat and to slow the process of decay. And so Christians, you need to understand that we have a preservative influence on our culture. In fact, God uses us to slow down the moral decay of our society. So when you expose the works of darkness to the light, you are helping to slow the moral degradation of our society. Can I encourage you, church, to be salt because Jesus says you are. This is why Jesus began with the thunderous truth, you are. Listen, we must remember who we are in Jesus. It's so easy to want to align ourselves with other identities and put them forward as if they're the ultimate ideal, but Jesus reminds us over and over again that we are his people and citizens of his kingdom, amen? But Jesus doesn't just say that we're light or uh, that we're salt. He says that we're light. So the second thing that Jesus would say to us today is don't hide the light. Reveal it. Let's look at verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot remain hidden. And I want you to notice the beginning of this section. Again, Jesus says, you are. Can I challenge you, church? Jesus is not saying to become salt and light. He is saying you are salt and light. And we are either fulfilling or failing at that responsibility. And I think we take Jesus' words for granted when he talks about light because we live in a context where we are surrounded and inundated by light sources. We we don't find ourselves in too many environments, at least in this country, where we are in total pitch darkness. In fact, some areas of our country have an overabundance of light to the point that we've coined the phrase light pollution. You guys have heard that phrase before, where there's too much light, you can't even see the moon and the stars, but 
Jesus is speaking in a time in history where there is no artificial light sources, okay? Electricity wasn't even a thing. So light came from the sun, the moon, and the stars, and it came from fire. So when Jesus says that we're the light of the world, he's saying that we're not only light receivers, but we're light givers, amen? And how will people see the light unless we reveal the light of Christ to them? So we don't need to be concerned about shining our lights in each other's faces. Can I say that again? We don't need to be too concerned about shining our lights in each other's faces. Why? Because guess what? You already know where you're going. You already know who you're following. It's your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, those that are walking in darkness. They don't know where they're going. I submit to you that they don't even know that they're in darkness. So Jesus calls us forward to shine the light so that they have clarity and direction. Amen? Amen. Jesus says in verse 14 as well that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And, you know, it's a commonly accepted custom in our society to keep our faith private, unfortunately. We've all heard it said that the two things you don't discuss in work are politics and religion, right? Well, we could throw the first one out the window because politics seem to be the only thing that's discussed in the workplace, right? You guys have experienced that. As a matter of fact, you've seen people get promoted or fired based on their political leanings. Can we just tell the truth on that? But Jesus never called us to hide our faith. When he made this comparison of a city being on a hill, he and his followers, they were situated in an area that was near a city called Safed, Safed. And Safed was in the northern district of Israel. And this city was on the, on the side of a literal mountain. So it could be seen near and far. And what Jesus is, what, what Jesus is doing with this imagery is he's telling us that it would be absurd to try to hide this city that's on a mountainside. And it would be equally as absurd for you to try to hide the light of Christ that resides within you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Imagine living here in Clarksville, well over 100,000 people here, and if we tried to create a tarp big enough to blanket the entire city, that would be absurd. And Jesus is saying it is just as absurd for you to hide the light of Christ. Listen, when the light is the only way that people will see Jesus. He also says here in verse 15, he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to what? All in the house. Again, we're talking about a time period where light was a precious resource to the point that life was nearly impossible without it. And Jesus says here again, hiding our faith is as absurd as lighting a lamp and hiding it under a basket. So church, let me ask you this. If someone were to follow you around for just 24 hours, would they be able to tell that there is something different about you? Just 24 hours. Would they be able to tell that there is something distinct about you, the way that you communicate, your language, your behavior, the way that you treat those around you, the way that you treat your spouse and your children? Listen, church, you need to understand something very clearly, and that is the body of Christ is the only organization on the planet that's actually ordained by God to carry out his mission. Did you know that? The body of Christ, the followers of Jesus, we're the only ones on the planet ordained by God to actually carry out his mission. Why? Because we, the church, the body of believers, have been given the message of hope, which is the gospel. Now, let me ask you this. Do we still believe that the gospel has the power to save? Oh, I need more amens than that. Do we still believe that the gospel has the power to save? Well, how will anyone be saved if they don't hear the good news? 
Romans 10 puts it like this. The apostle Paul says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen? Amen. Church, can I tell you today, if you are saved, you are sent. There's no distinct, there's no buffer time. The moment you're saved, God sends you on mission. Why? Because you have the message of hope living on the inside of you. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you permanently. And that right there is all you need, the presence of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of the gospel. Amen? When I was in fourth grade, I attended Northeast Elementary School. Hey, where's my eagles at? Northeast? Come on. Oh, wow, okay. My bad. Y'all live on the other side of town. I got all the cable channels over there, okay. Northeast, we didn't even have basic cable. We had, we had to scramble. You, know, you remember the TV scramble? And we took a trip to Mammoth Cave. Who here remembers Mammoth Cave? Who, who here has ever been to Mammoth Cave? Yeah, put your hands down, I'm never going again. I was traumatized, okay? I, mean, I knew it was a cave, but I'm like, no, this is a cave cave. Like, it's a whole cave. I remember walking through, the tour guide's leading us through, and you know, we go through the passageways, and then we get to a certain part where it gets so narrow that only one person can go through at a time. Yeah, I, I can hear y'all groaning, your claustrophobia is acting up. My God, I didn't know what was going on. So she leads us through, leads us through, we, we squeezed up. They had the nerve to turn out the lights. Now listen, let me tell you, black folks, we don't go spelunking, okay? That ain't, we don't do that. You understand what I'm saying? When I go on vacation, I'm not like, hey, let's go under the ground in pitch blackness, okay? I mean, it was so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Now, I'm already dark. I'm, I'm like half past midnight. I'm already dark. You understand? We in pitch blackness. Some of y'all, y'all, listen, you can laugh. You can laugh. They're like, I don't know. See, we laugh at that joke. I just, I don't want to offend anybody. You can laugh. I'm dark. Okay, let's just be honest. I'm dark. If it wasn't for these lights, you'd think a shadow was speaking to you so we can, can we go and settle that in your spirit? I'm a dark brother. That's okay. I'm chocolate. My wife thinks I'm sexist. That's all I know. So I'm freaking out. Never been in a situation like that before or since. But thank God that she had a flashlight. When she turned the flashlight on, we could see the stalactites or stalagmites. Which one is it? The one that hang down is it stalactites? Stalactites? Okay. Listen, it was fourth grade, okay? I've never been in this situation where it was an emergency and an urgent need to know what a stalactite was. Never, never been. I, I literally, I did a data dump. When I hit the fifth grade, didn't even know what it was. I don't even know what a cave is. But I remember feeling so comforted by that flashlight. It was the only source of light in the entire cave, that section of the cave. And I remember feeling so comforted. I'm like, okay, we can see where we're going. Now, it would have been absurd for someone to yell at the tour guide, turn off that light. We'd rather be in the dark. Right? That would be silly because we wouldn't know where we're going. Church, can I ask you, why are you allowing the, the world to yell at you to turn your light off? Anyway, I'm going to take another sip. Why? 
Why are you allowing those who don't follow Jesus to dictate and try to teach you how to follow Jesus? That don't make no sense. That's like wiping before you poop. <laughs> Some of y'all know. I'm not going to go there. Some, some of y'all know somebody who did that, don't you? Some of y'all might be sitting right next to him. Don't look at him. This elbow, let them know Charmin's on sale. Now, if I were to turn off all the lights in this room, I'm not going to do that. But if I were to do that, I mean, it would be profoundly dark in this room. A little over 1,100 people can fit in this room. It's a huge space. But we'd be in pitch blackness but you would feel immense comfort if I just took out my phone and turned on my flashlight. Just a single source of light. Can I tell you, the world is just just a single source of light. Why? Because light brings clarity and direction. Our world is in darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the solution is not more darkness. Do you understand? The solution is not to hide the light, but to reveal it. You're not forcing the light. All you're doing is turning it on. That's all you're doing. So that we point people to a God who loves them. Amen? Now listen, I'm going to say this as strongly as I can because we're family, right? We're family, right? Listen, you cannot be a sincere follower of Jesus Christ and think that it is acceptable to hide your faith. Scripture does not call for it at all. As a matter of fact, you're actively counteracting the words of Jesus Christ if you endeavor to hide your faith instead of revealing it. When you say to yourself, I'd rather be comfortable than committed, You're walking in disobedience. Why? Because light is made to be revealed. How else will the world believe unless they hear about Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. And you know what's so ironic is that we enjoy the most religious freedom in the world, yet we endeavor the hardest to hide our faith. And you have places, all my military folks, you've worked and lived in places where Christianity is literally outlawed. And they share their faith with an unrivaled boldness. Now, if that don't convict you, I don't know what will. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8 about those that seek to hide their faith. He says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in glory of his Father with his holy angels. Church, do you know what you call someone who says they're one thing and pretends to be another? What do you call them? A hypocrite. Can I encourage you, Life Point Church? Don't be hypocrites. First John chapter 1 says that God is light and there's no darkness within him. So when we seek to stay in the darkness and pretend we're walking in the light, the Bible says we're lying to ourselves. Jesus says, You are salt and light. You are salt and light. And there are no substitutes for salt and light. There ain't no splendor for salt, <laughs> ain't no splendor for light. So why in the world do you think that you're going to save people or or, or lead people to a real Jesus with a fake gospel? Third thing that Jesus says to us is your light was made to shine, so let it. Amen? Verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We had an amazing serve day. Yesterday, we had over 23 projects happening all over our city. We even had a member of our online campus lead a project in California with over 20 people 
serving. Come on, can we give God praise for that? And notice what Jesus says. He says, let your light shine. He says, let your light shine. That, that's command language. You realize that, right? That's not a suggestion from Jesus. It's not if you feel like it, if you're comfortable, if you're not worried about people scandalizing you or being angry or upset or offending anybody. No, he, sa he says, let your light shine. That is command language there. And because we love Jesus, we desire to do what pleases him. Amen? Amen? But it's also missional language because the world needs our light to shine. The world needs to see our good works so that they will glorify our Father in heaven. Do you understand that? If you want to see more people turning toward Jesus, you need to do the works that point them to Jesus. Amen? As I close, I just want to share a quick story. In September of this year, I buried my Aunt Artemé. She was 83 years old. Uh, she was the oldest aunt on my mom's side of the family. This is a picture of her here. She was, she was a beautiful soul. And this is a, this is a picture of my aunt, uh, Artemé, right here. She was a beautiful soul. She, she never, ever met a stranger. And she was an incredible, incredible cook. I mean, she, she can make you a dessert that'll get, get you saved every time you eat it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And she moved next door to a lady named Miss Frankie Venters. And this is Miss Frankie. Here. And they were neighbors for almost 10 years. And at, at my aunt's funeral, Miss, Miss Frankie's daughter, uh, she shared some, some kind words of comfort. And she, she began her, her, her remarks by saying that Artemis was an angel, uh, but her mother Frankie was the devil. I was like, oh Lord, what kind of funeral are we gonna walk to? <laughs> okay, Lord. But you gotta understand, Miss Frankie, she grew up hating God and hating his people. And every single day, every day for weeks, my aunt would drop off pastries and desserts and other sweet treats for Miss Frankie. And Miss Frankie would just throw them in the trash. She would, just, she would discard them. She would make sure that my aunt could see this, as a matter of fact. But finally, one day, Miss Frankie broke down. And she ate one of my aunt's trademark desserts. It was chest pie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Who likes chest pie up in this thing? Come on. Listen, make you a chest pie. Make one for me, too. She finally gave in, and from then on, they, their relationship began to grow in love and in trust. And one day, Miss Frankie's daughter, who happens to be a pastor, by the way, called her mother and said, hey, um, Mom, what you doing? And Miss Frankie tells her daughter, me and Artemis, we're going to church. And she says, matter of fact, we're coming to pick you up. And from that day forward, they did everything together. They were inseparable. They did life together. They did shopping. They went to the movies. They would go to church. And Miss Frankie died in August, exactly one month before my aunt did. But I'm happy to say that my aunt led her to the Lord before she passed away. And when I shared this story with Pastor Mike, he shared such a beautiful sentiment. He said, you know, Willie, he said, Artie May led Miss Frankie to the Lord here on earth. And Miss Frankie got to welcome Artie May into heaven. And Miss um, Frankie's daughter said, she said, when I couldn't reach my mother, God sent someone who could. Can I encourage your church to keep letting your good works shine? 
what you're doing in the lives of others is making a real impact whether you know it or not. So I want to encourage you, church, to keep serving, to keep showing kindness, to keep forgiving, to keep smiling, to keep saying good morning. Keep doing good. My Bible tells me this in Galatians 6. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now that blessing may come in this life. You may see that sick person healed. You may see your marriage restored. You may see your wayward children come back home. But if you don't church, you will most surely see the blessing when you stand before your Savior and he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Keep doing good. Keep letting your light shine. And I want to end with this challenge, a 30-day challenge. Number one, I want you to orient your social media posts around God's goodness. We agree social media is a cesspool, right? My God. It's rife with darkness. You be the light. Listen, I want you to share scriptures, share testimonies, share devotionals. How many people, matter of fact, I want you at least once a day for the next 30 days to type this question, how can I pray for you? And watch your timeline blow up. Hey, how can I pray for you? Next thing, what you consider doing, start a small group. Hey, like Pastor Mike said, Sundays are the biggest thing that we do, but small groups are the best thing that we do. Just invite one person, invite your coworker this week. Hey, come over to the house. I got some seasoned chicken. Watch the, come on, say, hey, I felt that, shut It's a seasoned praise. Invite them over because they're walking in darkness. They don't even know it. You be the light for them, amen? Invite one person to church every single day, just one person. Don't try to get them to say yes, just invite them. Statistics show over, over 80% of unchurched people would come if somebody would just invite them. Invite one, that's 30 people over the next 30 days. Pray with your coworkers, not just for them. Pray with them. There is something powerful and loving about someone else hearing your voice praying for them. Change the music and the streaming services in your house. Some of you are living in darkness because you keep inviting it in through what you listen and what you watch. What if you listen to music that praised God? Music that magnified the Lord. How would that change your children? How would that change your spouse? How would that change you? And lastly, just think about inviting your server, the one who, give, the one who serves your food at a restaurant. Invite them to church. We have invite cards at the big red wall. I want you to consider inviting those that serve you to church so that we can serve them, amen? Amen? Was this message good, family? Thank you, Lord. Hey, listen, do me a favor, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you would say, Willie, you know what? You were talking about living in darkness, that's me. I've been living in the dark for a long time. I feel like I'm far away from the Lord. I feel like God doesn't hear me. I feel like God doesn't see me. I wonder if God even loves me. I want to be connected to the Lord. I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about, that you've been talking about is light. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just lift your hand up. Nobody's looking, nobody's around. Hallelujah, hands going up everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus is here and he says the light has come. And that if you would open your hands and receive this gift of salvation, he'll give it to you freely. So church, would everybody lift their hands to heaven and join me in praying. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that the light has come. 
thank you for saving me, for healing me, and for redeeming me. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Say, God, I am all in. I will live for you and shine the light in the darkness. Say, use me to point others to a God who still saves and a God who still redeems. I want to live on mission for you for the rest of my life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would take your word from our head to our heart, that we would be not only hearers but doers, and we will walk in complete submission to your kingdom. Remind us of our true identity, God, and help us to live it out so that we can make a real difference and lead people to become fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let the church say amen. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.